listening to On the Couch with Carly. Carly's Couch is a safe space to talk. I'm a psychologist, but I'm not your pipe-smoking, tweed-wearing stereotype. Hello and welcome back to On the Couch with Carly. Today I want to speak to you about sleep again. Infant sleep, that is. A little while ago I had Meg Fora on the podcast and we chatted about sleep and sleep training. And that was during a time when I was questioning whether I should do sleep training with my baby, my second baby. And I was investigating the merits of sleep training, but also concerned about possible negative side effects or negative outcomes on the attachment. And I was really grappling with what to do with my own baby and trying to make sense of it for myself in my own mind. And I'm probably about six months down the line since then, I think maybe a little bit less. And I, um, I'd like to give an update on where I'm at and what I feel about sleep and about our, our relationship to sleep and to our babies with regards to their sleep. So just to give you a little background, um, when I had my first baby, I knew from becoming a psychologist and having researched or being aware of the research that um, is around attachment theory, that responding to our baby's needs is the most important thing we can do. And that the first five years of life, we are not just taking care of our babies, but we are establishing a blueprint for them in their lives for how they will understand themselves and understand relationships in general. So we know that attachment is so, so important. And from a developmental perspective, it is time limited. There's only so many years in which you can establish someone's attachment um, style. And once those years are up, that attachment style is fixed. That is who they're going to be for the rest of their lives. That is how they're going to be in relationships. And we know that there are different forms of insecure attachment that we see all the way until adulthood. And that those adults very often experienced inadequate parenting when they were little. Very little, like pre-verbal. So it's a big responsibility being a parent and... I went into it knowing that that's what this is. But I also read books and watched videos and read blogs and was on Instagram. And as a new mom, first time mom, I saw the messaging and heard and got the messaging from everyone about independent sleep skills needing to impart independent sleep skills to our babies to our infants that says teaching your baby to sleep independently that means in their own beds by themselves and falling asleep on them on their own and sleeping through the night is the the expectation and goal and so because I was someone who wanted to 
do well at parenting. I wanted to be a good mom. I wanted to follow the rules. I wanted to have a sense of accomplishment. I thought it was best that I did what they said. And I luckily had a very easy baby who took to some of the methods I used. Now, I believe that I struck a pretty brilliant middle ground with my firstborn and that I never I never stopped responding to her needs, not once. I was always responsive, um, but I imparted the message that she needed to be on her own. And that worked really well for about well, almost two years. And then the pandemic happened and we moved and there was a lot of disruption and it was unsettling for everyone. And suddenly the sleep was impacted. And as an almost two-year-old, she was vocal and she could say, you know, she could demand, no, I want to be held. No, I won't lie down and just be on my own here. And I think because of my empathy and because I could understand that it was just difficult for everyone, I would meet her needs and hold her until she fell asleep. And so since then, the independence that I expected has waned and she's now almost six and some nights I still lie with her until she falls asleep. Some nights she can sleep on her own and that's okay. Um, I mean, fall asleep on her own. But the understanding that I have about it is not that it's the only way anymore. And now since having a second baby... I have, I think, been influenced and um, understood that there are other voices and other messages out there about what you can and maybe should do with your baby. And that is that to be responsive, to hold your baby, to keep your baby close is never bad, that it is natural, that Almost every culture, except for modern Western culture, has our babies attached to our bodies almost all through the day and all through the night. And that having your baby fall asleep on you or near you or in the same bed with you is probably quite natural. And that having your baby feed to sleep, which the Western mainstream parenting um, sort of discourse would have you think is really bad, bad habit, you know, is not necessarily bad. It's natural. It's normal. It's how most babies fall asleep. And, and yet, here I am, and my baby's almost one, and I have imparted some sleep skills as you would so that she is sleeping independently or falling asleep independently she can sleep through the night she's done it once <laughs> um, but she also wakes up at night and I think what I'm here to do today is to just try to normalize what it means that 
we can we can put in measures to have our babies become more independent from us and those measures sometimes are benign like i think sometimes they do not impact on the attachment but i think sometimes they can and it's really important to be able to feel empowered about what you should do or can do and when so i want to lay out a kind of it i want to lay out a kind of um guess protocol that's the best word i can come up with that i would suggest around sleep because for me sleep is a boundary issue sleep is something we need to work out for ourselves and here's what i want you to know number 1 infants are meant to wake up during the night this is biologically sound important developmentally appropriate they do this for a number of reasons number 1 it's so that they don't die because their sleep cycles are different to ours they rouse multiple times a night and this actually would keep them safe um because we know that one of the biggest dangers is SIDS and that we don't want that we don't want our babies to to die in their sleep so when your baby wakes up that's them doing their job keeping themselves alive keeping you aware of them throughout the night and throughout the day for their safety so that's the first thing i want to impart is that it's absolutely normal and natural for babies to wake up at night Number 2 every baby is different. If you hear that one mom or one book is telling you to do x or y with your baby, you need to understand that they are trying to impart information to a wide range of people and they've chosen one message for those millions of people and that is never going to be appropriate or it's never going to be sound because every baby and every parent is different and your baby and your relationship with your baby is the most important information you have about how to take care of your baby so you as the parent which is so hard and something that i'm only learning now as a second time mom so i i know it's really really hard especially when you're a first time mom but you have to try and keep aware and keep thinking and looking at your baby and feeling in your own body what feels right what you're seeing what makes sense to you and of course there're going to be times when it doesn't make sense that's part of what is so overwhelming about being a parent and why we see so much anxiety in moms it's because it's hard to know what the hell's going on sometimes we look at these little things and we can't read we can't figure out and i want you to in those moments 
to just surrender to the not knowing because what I have established for myself is that the not knowing is part of the process. The figuring out is a process that involves one one step of that process is not knowing. To say, I don't know, but let me keep looking. Let me keep connecting. And maybe let me keep trying, you know? Like that's one of the things I encourage you to do is try some things. Try it out. See what feels right. See what works, you know? Try it a few times. See what sticks. It's an experiment. Life is an experiment. And having a baby is an experiment. And it's an experiment that you get to be the lead scientist on and your baby is the lead scientist on this experiment right if you look at babies they really are like scientists they're constantly experimenting with things they're constantly testing out hypotheses and that's really exciting and you can be curious about what does your baby need what meets their needs what doesn't meet their needs but also to not forget about your own needs that you are also a person in this relationship and although being a parent particularly to a newborn and particularly to an an infant requires us to to really be seriously quite selfless I mean it is very much it's disproportionate how much you are focusing on their needs and not your own But that doesn't mean it's all or nothing. And I really always encourage all parents to take care of their own needs in the relationship. Because I think if you feel like your needs are being taken care of as well, you have more to offer. You have more to give. You're more resourced to be able to be there to meet your children's needs. So here's the thing. I want you to think about what feels right for you. When I speak to moms who are encouraged to do sleep training, the majority of moms tell me, it just doesn't feel right. I don't want to leave my baby to cry. I don't want to be separated from my baby. I don't mind breastfeeding them all through the night. That feels right to me. I like having them close. If you are that mom, I want you to know that you are right. You are right. And I also want the mom to know who's got to the point where breastfeeding around the clock all through the night and she feels so exhausted and her body feels like a used up rag and she's tired and and it's too much and she's ratty during the day and she's losing her temper and she's just feeling spent and and drained and it's not working for her, I want you to know that you are right. That your feelings are valid. And so there is a place in this world for you to say, it's enough. I've had enough. And therefore there are methods you can use to change the system that you use to meet your children's needs. Listen to the words I'm saying. I'm not saying stop responding to your baby. I'm saying change the way you respond to your baby. 
And in doing so, you are able to start this long journey of parenthood that entails having and um, communicating boundaries with your child. And it starts as soon as you are at that point where you've reached a boundary for yourself. Now, how do you know when you've reached a boundary? Okay, after one bad night, maybe you feel ratty and you can't handle it. But the next day, you're feeling fine again. I'm not talking about the one time you feel overwhelmed. I'm talking about that feeling in your body where you just can't go on anymore, where what is happening is not working for you and it's not working for a while. And what's not working is something that is consistently present. It's not a once-off thing. It's not just because your kid was sick and was particularly you know, fitful at night and you couldn't sleep. It's when your kid is constantly needing something from you that you are struggling to offer consistently where you feel that's too much for you. It's too much. It's too much of a drain. If you can honestly reach a point in yourself where you say, it's enough. This is my limit, right? That's when we know it's a boundary. This is my limit. I can't go beyond this point. Then I encourage you to think of strategies, ideas, getting support, to help you shift things for yourself. There are lots of ways we can shift sleep. There are gentle sleep methods. There are sleep skills you can impart. There's lots of different things. There's there's strategies you can use that will help you um, shift the dynamic around sleep. And it doesn't have to entail leaving your baby to cry and not responding to their needs because Leaving your baby to cry might be a really effective method of getting a lot of sleep for you. And I do believe that every baby will learn to sleep. But what my experience is, is that what really, what babies really need is a sense of safety in the world. They need to feel like their needs are being met. They need to have their needs met. They need to feel safe, they need to be fed, they need to be warm, but not too warm. They need to feel comforted. They need to know that you're present, that they're safe. And those are really the factors that need to be explored when you're thinking about sleep. And those things are not so easy to get right. You know, they, they take time and they take effort. And there are ways to do that. There are many different ways to meet those needs. And you've got to figure out what those ways are that work for you, that work for everyone in your family. So I encourage you to think of sleep like this. When that time comes, when you're ready to make a change, you will know it. It will feel right in your body. 
there might be a little bit of ambivalence. So it's okay to sometimes feel a little bit of this and a little bit of that. To have one foot going forward and another foot stepping back. But that's why I say experiment. You know, Be flexible with yourself. Try things out. Test it out. See what works. Try a method. If that method makes you feel uncomfortable, then maybe it's not the right method. Trust yourself. You know. We know what's right for our babies. And if someone is telling you to do something that you know doesn't feel right, don't do it. Don't listen to any messages out there that make you feel less empowered as a mom or as a parent. Don't listen to anyone or any idea that that alienates you or um, undermines your sense of what is right and what is needed and how you can meet those needs. Because you might not have a full night's sleep for a few years, but if you get to a point where you're getting enough sleep and you know your child is having their needs met and you know your child feels close and connected to you, feels safe with you, and that they are, that their needs are being met and that your needs are also being met, that you are not so depleted that you cannot meet their needs, then that is a great outcome. And if you know to expect that actually you're not going to get sleep for a few years, or not that you're not going to get sleep, but you're not going to get a full night's sleep, or you're not going to get, you're not going to be able to completely switch off from meeting your children's needs for a while while they're little, then you can surrender to that. And decide what is good enough. What will be survivable for you on the long run? And then when you get to the later years, you'll think, oh, it was only, what, a couple of years maximum? So is that really that bad? It's a very short time. So, yeah, think about this. Please let me know if you have any questions. I'd love to engage with you on this topic. It's something I've been thinking about for a long time. And I'm open to all your suggestions and all your ideas and all your questions. So please let me know.